Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome back. So it has been a few days since I've kind of given an update on this uh, coronavirus, this COVID-19 situation. And, and that's sort of what I want to start off with today. And, and well, I mean, it's kind of the bulk of what we're talking about today in today's podcast. Uh, my thoughts on what's happening. Obviously, you know, a quicker view of the statistics. I, I hesitate to call them facts because, well, we just know that the statistics coming out of some countries are more than likely manipulated. And out of most countries, inaccurate and, and almost always inaccurate to the downside because they're they're just not testing for it, right? But the three big countries that I mentioned in my previous podcast, this would have been probably Monday, were were South Korea, Iran, and in Italy. It's kind of the big three countries where this is emerging in in large numbers, almost out of nowhere. And of course it's not out of nowhere. These cases were there. It's not like Iran which currently has 245 confirmed cases, 26 deaths. That's a, a case fatality rate of, of over 10%. Of course, that's not a good way of calculating it because there's likely a ton more cases. And a lot of those cases aren't to the point where, where they're going to end up in a fatality quite yet. But 245, I mean, it's not like 245 people traveled to Iran from China or some other country that had the coronavirus. No, it's been there for quite a while. In fact, I was listening to... I think it was NPR probably, and, and they were interviewing a uh, a woman. I think she was a, a nurse, a healthcare worker, and she was speaking on the basis of anonymity. And she had been mentioning that in this city, in this uh, city of of Kom, which is where this outbreak is really centered, it was uh, several weeks ago that she noted that wow, it seems like there's a lot of people coming in with the flu or flu-like symptoms today. And as a whole, I mean, this was when the coronavirus was. In the headlines, this wasn't like early January. So, as a whole, these doctors basically said, you know, head home. Now, why was that the case? Well, probably two reasons. Either a, the doctors erroneously thought that because there weren't confirmed cases in Iran yet, that it's something they didn't have to worry about, or b, they knew they couldn't test for it, and and you know, they're they're not just going to keep a, a few dozen people there with flu-like symptoms that are otherwise, you know, mostly medically stable. I mean, that's the case with, with the flu and with this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing this to the flu night and day. But with the flu, and I'm sure with the coronavirus, there's this, there's a, a, a level of severity where maybe it would warrant a, a hospital or, or just a clinic visit, but not a hospitalization. So not even hospital visit, just, I mean, just a, you know, a checkup, you know, like if you just schedule something with your primary, your family doctor and say, hey, I got the flu. Can you see me and whatnot? Um, and, and not a hospitalization, right? When, when you see these tallied up, uh, oftentimes they're tallied into a serious or a critical category. Those are the ones that are usually in a hospital. And we shouldn't rely on those statistics either. But but those are the ones that are usually in a hospital. Not to say that people can't die outside of hospitals. They can, and I'm sure they have in many cases because they haven't been able to or they didn't get there quickly enough. The disease progressed too quickly. They're elderly and they didn't have anybody to bring them. But serious, I would think of serious as requiring hospitalization and critical uh, being in a 
ICU bed, intensive care unit. So that could, you know, be a ventilator. That could be all sorts of different, you know, interventions to, to try and keep these people alive. So anyways, this was several weeks ago, though. And, and this interview itself was a, a couple of days ago now, um, one, two, three days ago. So, so we're talking, you know, at the beginning of February, probably hundreds of cases in Iran. Right. And that is, and so it's not, again, what I said like five, 10 minutes ago, what I'm saying here is not that, that this just suddenly arrived in South Korea and just, or, or Iran or Italy and just exploded in numbers. No, it's been there for a while. We just haven't noticed it or we haven't tested for it. We, you know, broadly speaking, the healthcare community, it's obviously not me. Um, and I think that's a case for most countries around the world where it, it appears that community spreading is is not a problem. Now, I'm sure there's the oddball country out there, you know, Iceland, maybe is fine right now. Greenland, you know, uh, they, they might be fine. Uh, but like the United States, I think, is a great example. You know, as of yesterday, they tested, I want to say like 400, 500 people. You know, I saw t- statistics somewhere else, a little over a thousand people. Either way, and this is a CDC, which where which is where most of the testing has taken place, is my understanding. Um, there, there, there probably has been some outside of that, but again, we're talking hundreds, maybe over a thousand. And, and contrast that with South Korea, where they're testing already in the hundreds of thousands. Now, I mean, the the you have to test. There, there's no way about it, right? And and the problem with places like South Korea is if you test two hundred thousand, and one thousand show up positive, well, guess what? You have about 199,000 people that at some point may need another test in the future. And and I get these tests are expensive, but but so is the hospitalization process. So is obviously the economic outcome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, impact of, a, of an outbreak of a of a pandemic. So, in the United States, the testing just isn't taking place. You know, we have this example from yesterday, which which uh, came out right around when when Donald Trump was was kind of giving his speech, which maybe I'll touch base on here in a minute about a case in California, Sonoma County, California, where they couldn't really trace it. This wasn't somebody with recent travel to to uh, Wuhan or China. Uh, I'd assume probably didn't have close contact with anybody that did that uh, they know of. Um, but where did it come from? I mean, that's kind of the question now. I mean, this is what happened. This is how it started in Italy, Iran, South Korea. Uh, you know, the woman that went to this this church, this cult-like church, which infected, you know, probably, she probably infected dozens, hundreds of people. She refused the coronavirus test on two separate occasions, actually, before she tested positive. Why? She hadn't been to China. So why did she have to worry about it? As far as she knew, community spreading wasn't occurring. Well, obviously it was. And and I think it should be obvious that it is in the United States. We're just not testing for it. And even in the United States, and even in a, a country that has relatively high healthcare standards, uh, we shouldn't discount the possibility that you could have some one-off city uh, or town hospital with 
a dozen cases of hospitalization, and it hasn't been reported to authorities yet because maybe they, they did testing. It wasn't, you know, the, the, the flu wasn't bacterial and they left it at that. And they just haven't done the testing because they don't have the kits in many cases or, or whatever. I mean, it's just, that's where we're at right now. I mean, I made the prediction last Monday or this past Monday, a couple of days ago, that by next Monday, we would have um, a situation similar to, you know, how it started in Italy or South Korea of community spreading in the United States. Is it Sonoma County? Maybe. But but I think there's a lot of other places that we just don't know where it is yet. And that's just the United States. There's plenty of other countries around the world that are in even worse position. They may not notice this until it's in the hundreds or thousands um, of, of even fatalities, right? I mean, look what Iran... I mean, do you expect a country uh, like, like Yemen or Syria right now, the Idlib province, um, you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan... Uh, Nepal, India. Do you expect them to be able to to stay on top of this? Like some countries have been able to, to some extent, such as you know Singapore or South Korea. No, they don't have a chance, and and that's going to be uh, pretty scary. And and it's already there. It's just that I, I can almost say without a doubt it's there. Beyond what these confirmed cases are, it's just that it's not spread to enough people for for it to pop up on the radar of those local or, or national health officials. Finally, you know, we had Trump's speech yesterday. I don't have a lot to say about it. I mean, it was basically the gist of it was this could be bad. His opinion is that it actually won't be that bad, but it could be bad, you know, covering his bases. We we're prepared either way. And uh, Mike Pence is the, uh, I think Zero Hedge dubbed him the, the coronavirus coronavirus czar. You know, he's kind of heading up this response. And so, I mean, it's... I don't think we are prepared. I don't think a country can be prepared. Um, so, I mean, I don't... I mean, it's just, how do you prepare for something that has such a long incubation period? Um, you know, a, a two, three, four, five, whatever it is, percent case fatality rate, um, something that is is decimating economies left and right. How can you be prepared for that? Yes, the U.S. is probably more prepared than, you know, Mexico or, you know, Guatemala or, or India. Uh, but, but, you know, we're, we're not on par. Our response thus far has not been on par with Singapore or South Korea or, or, uh, Japan even. Uh, and, and, and I don't think, you know, the excuse that the country's just too big is a valid excuse. I mean, Trump said to himself that, you know, recent John Hopkins study picked the United States as the most prepared for a pandemic. And when this is all said and done, uh, I think they might need to revise that. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast and God bless.